This is a radio broadcast from the Good Boys Gone Bland. Seek shelter now. Hello and welcome to Good Boys Gone Bland, Season 7, Episode 4, 12, Monkeys. I'm your co-host, Denalicus Prime. Oh, man, that was good. Uh, I'm your co-host, Ryan. I don't have cool robot noises. You could be the human. Oh, I'm a, that's because I'm a human. Gerald, the damn toaster ran away again. It oh, said it's mighty morphin' time. <laughs> Am I the only Transformer here on this planet? It said, Jace pod, is podcast a- <laughs> host Jace, I hate you, and then it ran off. <laughs> John, Jace is obviously the uh, like the redneck at the beginning of the movie that like, like comes into contact the- with the uh, the technology. <laughs> Greetings, human. I'm here to kick Megatron's butt. I don't know no Megatron. Have you seen any semi trucks around? Um, yeah, I, I drive one. Point me to the direction of your car so I may kick its ass. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're gonna want to take 15 minutes down Leroy Avenue. Okay. And then you're oh. going to take the first left onto Menomina Street. L- listen, okay? just, just tell me the, where it's then, at, the address, and I can just put it in my, my maps. You don't have to do this uh, directions thing. I, put I, it I come into from your a planet. maps. Okay. Yeah, I, I come from a planet where we have GPS. What in tarnation is GPS? This, is, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. I'm going to... I'm. So I'm, anyway, I'm, after you take the left on Menomina Street, you're going to oh, want to go past the house with the broken picket fence. Okay? Jason, okay. you watch them taters yet like I told you? No, I'm giving directions to a nice robotic man. See, now you got me in trouble, robot. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just, I, I'm trying to do this alien war. Uh, they've come to this planet trying to harvest the Energon in your Earth's crust. Well, no, I think Enercon is the gas station. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, welcome to our show, guys. We're a marathon podcast that <laughs> marathons 10 movies of a similar subject. We're doing end-of-the-world movies. And, guys, I'm just so gosh darn excited because I watched the trailer for Transformers uh, Rise of the Beasts. What? And, uh, it Is that what we're doing? Sick. Because I was going to ask, there's no <laughs> robots <laughs> Look, in this listen, movie. All right. <laughs> Listen, uh, like I used to watch Beast Wars and Beast Machines growing up, so this is a pretty exciting. What about uh, Beast Master? N- no, I did watch Beast Master like the first season, I guess. Uh, I am excited for this release, and I figured uh, since Jace, you know, I know you have the next pick, but I just kind of wanted to make a gentleman's agreement. Maybe you can pitch the Transformers movie. I can pitch the Transformers Dark of the Moon, and we can just hijack the rest of the season to do a Transformers movie. There's seven total. I think we can just uh, watch the rest of the series, and they're all typically um, legally end of the world movies. Mm. And I think we can pull this off. Just wanted to pitch that idea. Transformers movies. (laughs) (laughs) With this new one coming out, it'll it'll take it up to seven. We can watch it in theaters for the final episode. Um, And then after me and Jace pitch a Transformers movie, Ryan will kind of feel obligated to to pitch, you know, the the final, the third one, the trilogy. Is is Michael Bay still at the helm of Um, Transformers or? So I don't think so. I think this this Rise of the Beast is an offshoot of the Bumblebee movie. Um, mm. So it's it's directed oh by... the Bumblebee movie. Yeah, and this is the director very much of... different than the B movie. 
it's don't get those don't get those twisted. And a lot different than Bumble. It's funny how like that's it's like uh, words cooking. are funny. <laughs> yeah, you, you take two ingredients and they make something completely different. Completely different if you mix if you mix the Bumble and the B. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you guys psyched for this movie or what? Twelve Monkeys or. Transformers. Um, well, transform. I mean, I was thinking about monkeys from this movie, and I know um, uh, Optimus Primal is a gorilla in uh, Beast Machines. What? That's cool. Isn't that? That's pretty sick, right? That's pretty funny. Yeah, they're like a whole new race of Autobots. They 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 turned into like organic uh, organic Transformers. They turned organic into animals. machines. Yeah, they're they're biomechanical. Didn't what? Uh, are we? T- wait, so are you still? On- Didn't they just show up when there were only animals on the planet? So they were like, well, oh look, a cat. I'm gonna turn into that. <laughs> Ooh, I think, no. if I remember correctly, they crash land on a mysterious planet. All right, this is during uh, Beast Wars, and uh, the, the planet is so rich in energon, it's actually toxic to their mechanical bodies. Oh. So they had to turn into something organic to shield themselves oh, this, from the toxicity. Is this of true canon from like the old show that you're talking about, not the new one? This is from this is from the old show from okay. like 1999. Yeah, and so huh. they turn into the Maximals, which are like the offshoot of the autobots there's that that, that's already too much information (laughs) for them to put in the movie because they'll be like yeah what do you think we're freaking nerds why would these robots turn into yeah it's interesting when you have a robot franchise and the uh (laughs) target demographic has zero overlap with nerds it's like (laughs) not a great business model they don't even try to appeal to fucking robots at all with these with these um transformers movies like don't you want to like appeal to this new yeah, there's this new AI market. They're making art now. They're they're making all sorts of shit. They're taking jobs with their fucking AI brains. Shouldn't we at least like you know be making a buck off of them, trying to get them to to put mechanical butts in seats and shit? So you're saying uh, we should, if we create some sort of AI, if they take jobs on yeah. one part of the economy, they need to participate in the the demand side of economy too yeah 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 so make them make them buy some tickets to transformers i'm just saying we can make a quick buck off some ai it's not a bad idea yeah um so that's a, that's a pretty sweet idea so Check we're, gonna transformers. Them, we're gonna have to put them in the bodies it, yeah but i figured like they can pay per stream i feel feel like ais can watch movies faster than us so you know maybe one ai can watch it tens of thousands of times absorb its information um, versus hmm. a human you have to pay 10 bucks and what they watch it again a year later ai so we can really milk them for money oh i was imagining the robots well ro- the robots too i think it's a cool idea but listen i don't want to get us away from uh you don't want to get us away from what <laughs> we're talking about you you, you don't want to get us away from that yeah so we're we're in the midst uh, sorry guys but i'm just so excited for this movie but um we're in the midst episode four of our end of the world season mm-hmm. We're zipping through this thing because we're actually doing these in sequence, uh, like before. But how are you guys feeling? I want to do a little vibe check. What do you? How are you guys feeling watching this many end of the world movies? I'm stoked. This yeah. is the best I've felt about a season four movies in I think ever. Yeah, I'm I'm liking it too. It's even if the movies aren't necessarily all good, this is just a wild ass journey to take, and there's art. There's always a lot to talk about. I think. Yeah. What were the first four in the dog season? We had Airbud. Oh Jesus! Uh, fuck. Because I felt pretty good about the dog. Clifford season. was in there. Clifford then, was the second episode. And then it got terrible. We watched Scooby Doo like twice. Yeah. I mean, no, I we watched two different Scooby Doo movies. Zowie might still be one of my favorite movies. It's like probably oh, top. Pet it's Cemetery probably like too. top. Oh yeah, yeah, Pet Cemetery. <laughs> it's like up there for sure. Yeah. Or 
movies that are like yeah. top five of my memories of watching and then talking about them because it was I so think about that crazy. movie sometimes when ever I see a dirt bike. Oh God, yeah, like ripping that kid's face open with a dirt bike. Yeah, which I think if you put those words into a sentence, it doesn't make sense. Which is oh, what yeah. true art does; it allows you to interpret what otherwise would mm-hmm. be unknowable. It's a wicked ass movie. Uh, and Snow Dogs was our episode three, oh, now yeah, yeah, and then yeah, All yeah, Dogs yeah. Go to Heaven. What a crazy ass! We should we should do another animal season, guy. That's why I was trying to pitch horses all those times. I think horses is not bad. I do like this season. It seems like we can have a lot of variety. Yeah, we can. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we still have something to talk about. And I feel like rating these movies is going to be pretty good. I feel like it's going to be predictable what the ratings mm-hmm. are going to be, especially if there's something like Moonfall. Oh, like, yeah. Where <laughs> it was super predictable what we everybody was going to say. Uh, so I think I think that about this, I kind of know where I'm going to go, but I want to talk mm-hmm. to you guys about it. Yeah. And uh, I was excited to watch this movie because i hadn't seen it and i hadn't really been looking forward to it and i think that's something that the actors part kind of restricts me a little bit where i'm not too interested in seeing 10 keanu movies because he kind of sucks and whoa uh, okay we all that's the conclusion we came to after listening that he was pretty average and he didn't really like do much for a keanu movie listen as someone who works in the industry keanu i'd love to work with you you're a great actor i'd love to learn some tips you know, we, you're right, right? Because we have seen a lot of different variety of stuff. I do think this season will still allow us to lose our minds in the same way, just seeing the same uh, crazy shit over and over again of the Earth ending. Um, but I was kind of thinking, like, what if, uh, what if all our disasters fought? You know, like who would win in a fight? Ooh. Like, like we've seen four world enders. Like, what if they fought each other, like Godzilla style? Like, who would come out on top? I think Moonfall. You think Moon would win? Moon- but if there's no earth to smash into okay let's think about this because uh this movie had what germs okay boring uh <laughs> moon would burn germs so that's done mm-hmm. right agree okay, rock paper scissors style is what you're doing yeah um what was the second movie we watched again <laughs> was the fifth, fifth element <laughs> the movie i shit on for like an hour uh, so the, the fifth <laughs> element beats uh Okay, that one actually is a pretty fucking... Is that supposed to destroy the universe, though? Is that what we decided? I think it does. So that's going to... I think that's going to wicked beat the moon. But what about the core? The the core, does that beat the moon? Because there'd be no Earth to smash into? So it's kind of funny because the core, I think, is the size of the moon, I think. Isn't it? I don't know. I I, I don't think it is. No, it's way bigger. Uh, (laughs) Okay, core is going to lose to fifth element. I guess that's it. Shit, that was an easy bracket, huh? Big ass universe universe eating thing is going to beat all of them do you guys think there's going to be one that would wipe out earth better than either of those movies like a disaster movie i don't know what's going to beat alien evil force i'd agree i Um, mean maybe something maybe biblical yeah maybe biblical like uh like moses uh turns evil yeah evil moses is really the it's worse than the moon falling to earth and being obliterated by an alien force that kills all life in the universe yeah evil moses I, I the don't most know powerful of biblical <laughs> beings. Okay. All right, fine. I'll pick a different one. Um, who's another biblical guy? Uh, Cain? Moses? Abel. Which one was the bad twin? Could have been a deli dude. I don't know. <laughs> Slice <laughs> the beans. His job is just parting things. <laughs> parting the beans? <laughs> parting the bread. <laughs> Moses reincarnated. Put him to the absolute worst use. Yeah, yeah when yeah, the moon yeah. is crashing into the earth, he just... Ah, yeah. parts the oh, moon. He, could, he could like part the moon 
Dude, what if Moses was a hero? Totally misses. Because that's how accelerate. That's how. That's how things go in space. (laughs) And then the two halves turn around and start coming back. And he's like, (laughs) splits them both. I have to part something every five seconds now. There's so much pieces. Uh, Yeah, I mean, this this scenario, I think, was the most grounded of everything we've seen so far. I think easily, right? Yeah. It's not the most realistic. Yeah. I mean, some might say it's partially happened. Um, <laughs> in progress <laughs> currently in progress loading yeah like you look at the opening uh title of this movie you know five billion people will die from a deadly virus in 1997 once again yes. animals will rule the world and uh the survivors will abandon the surface of the planet okay, so uh, do we want to just start talking about this, this freaking movie because there's so much to talk about yeah jace you want i don't want to take your synopsis from you you, you want to just uh it's Ryan's. Ryan. Ryan, Jace, go ahead and take Ryan's synopsis. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to take yours, but I want you to take Ryan's. <laughs> yeah, Ryan, go ahead and uh, summarize. Okay, so we watched 12 Monkeys, uh, directed by Terry Gilliam of Monty Python fame. He uh, pretty much directed those old movies like uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. But since then, he branched out into a lot of really well-known kind of hardcore sci-fi movies like Brazil. And um, this is kind of in his classic style. It's kind of steampunk and, uh, you know, evil government, big brother Hello, kind of stuff. Governor. Yeah, British people for some reason. And uh, in this movie, it's a pandemic. We know that sometime in the 90s, in the late 90s, 96, 97, a pandemic breaks out and it was a targeted attack, like a bioweapon. And in the future, everybody lives below ground. And they have prisoners and stuff because, of course, but most everybody's dead. So the cities are abandoned. And what these uh, scientists, the people in charge are doing is they're taking those prisoners and they're sending them into the universe, not universe, the outside world (laughs) to gather information. Still accurate. So Bruce Willis is one of those prisoners and he gets sent to volunteer to uh, go collect information (laughs) from the outside world. And so he goes up to the surface and stuff and does a good job. So he essentially gets promoted and he gets uh, promoted to being sent back in time and gathering information about the past pre-pandemic so they can uh, do a better job of curing the virus in the future. Time they can't travel, prevent baby. it, but they uh, might be able to cure it. And uh, yeah, I don't yeah, have much else. That's a pretty good summation, Ryan, because there's a lot of twists and turns and it, it can be a little like because it's a time travel movie, you know, the, right. The, the, and the spatial awareness is so it's of, a double movie it fits into yeah. multiple categories and that's why i wanted to pick it because it's mm-hmm. not just like moonfall which is 100 percent disaster movie this also talks about time travel elements and spends some of the movie developing that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and i thought because julie didn't know anything about this movie literally nothing just that it was called 12 monkeys and bruce willis was in it and so the the title card that Denali read, five million people have died, yada, yada, yada. Five billion people. Billion people. That's still that a lot of billions left. Yeah. Well, that's two well, billion Well, no, not in the 90s, left. really. I mean, we've gained a billion in the last 10 years. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, we're at, I think we're at eight billion now, we're right? Or nine now. billion or some shit, like something crazy. So the attribution on that quote, it says, you know, in 1996, this will happen. And the attribution says, mental patient, 1990, which I thought was like, such a cool twist that was cool. on the intro card that you get from movies like Blade Runner and Star Wars. 
And I, yeah. I really like that about like it kind of told you what was going to happen. There's going to be this kind of prophecy thing going on. Can you imagine after all of the words in the first Star Wars, that whole crawl that just says like dash some fucking crazy guy in an asylum? <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a princess and then <laughs> this empire. <laughs> yeah. Laser like, swords, man. <laughs> what I didn't expect about this movie, too, was that it also hit the crazy person angle. Yeah, it did. With Shutter mm, Island hard. style stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They really, I think, uh, nailed kind of parallelism with how we treat mentally ill in prison systems too in this movie right like i'm sure you guys kind of picked that up when you were watching it like um they also kind of they kind of parallel in the in the future you know there's like the inhumane naked scrubbing and they do the same thing in the the 90s yeah they, they also kind of make you doubt your sanity a bit watching the movie kind of plays on the idea of like what it what is it like for a quote-unquote crazy person to be in the system mm-hmm. you know what is it like from their perspective and how do they you know even navigate that and how insane is the system and I thought that was a cool part of the movie. I was surprised to get something like that out of it. I it um, one of the things that I took away and was thought was you know hit home is Brad Pitt during his like monologue in the is it an asylum? Yeah, I guess you can say as, asylum. What's but the correct term for where they were at? Like <laughs> an institution. institution. An institu- yeah. Okay, so when when he was on his uh, he's on his soapbox and he's describing how the inner workings and um, the TV is on. And he mm-hmm. goes on a rant about how, uh, what do we become when we stop consuming? Talking about like, uh, the government, it, we're, we're all pawns when we stop consuming what they're selling to us, we get placed here. And like that hit really hard for me for when yeah. the movie was made because we're now 24 years later or whatever. Oh, yeah. And it's like <laughs> the consumption has changed so drastically than likely what anyone could have thought about when that movie was made with the podcast that we make and try to get people to listen to with Instagram, with TikTok, which is now like a data collection. I was like, huh, wow, this yeah. uh, this movie <laughs> actually has a pretty funny point going from you're a crazy guy stuck in a sane asylum to now where it's like consumption is skyrocketing. Yeah. Well, yeah, and if, imagine if somebody lived the way people lived in the 90s, like read the newspaper, didn't really have internet. Maybe they would go to internet cafes or the library or something. Uh, and didn't have a smartphone, called everybody on the phone, They, we would be like, that dude's crazy. Mm-hmm. Th- that's my crazy uncle. He lives in the woods. And <laughs> yeah, so I totally get what you're saying. And that's one thing I love about sci-fi is that I like watching old sci-fi movies because sometimes they're spot on and sometimes they are not. And it's fun to see uh, kind of what those people thought would be good or bad for America back in the day. Yeah, I think good sci-fi, like you're saying, Ryan, is like holds a mirror up to kind of our society and it makes us think about you know our, our shortcomings. Like uh, if I could plug a book I read recently, which is a Capitalist Realism by Mark Fisher, oh. um, like which is kind of like the intro to leftist politics people kind of meme about. Um, like they, they kind of mention, uh, the author kind of mentions in that book that like a lot, maybe you know, a lot of mental mental health issues and depression right now might be tied to the oppressiveness of our capitalistic and consumerist society that we live in, something that we recognize as a reality. And I think Brad Pitt, was his character was kind of touching that a little bit too, where it's like, if you disengage with that reality, um, people will think you're fucking insane, even though you're doing something that you think is sane, <laughs> uh, which I thought it was, it was kind of cool. Like, I feel like there was a political subtext in this. Um, and I think oh, a lot of good sci-fi does. And- Brad Pitt kind of hit it back to back with this and Fight Club. 
Mm-hmm. Like that's like kind of the same message two movies in a row. Yeah, <laughs> just Gen X like <laughs> malaise towards uh, the system, man, the man, um, which I dig. The other thing I, I think I looked at straight on. I'm curious to see how what your guys' reaction to because this is the second. I guess is it like French. Um, kind of like weird aesthetic movie that we've, we've seen british because like you said this is the director of brazil founder of uh you know the steampunk aesthetic uh but the shots and the art design and the set pieces really oh, strange yes, jace yeah you're right yeah like you're off angle it. yeah the shots all everywhere like there's like 45 degrees so yeah the what i liked was that the cinematography mirrored bruce willis's state of mind so when he's crazy and drugged up, the angle's tilted almost 45 degrees, yeah. tilted like 30 degrees. And then when he's like clear and he's running through his mind, uh, you know, he's a normal person just kind of confused about what's going on. It's maybe shaky cam a little bit, but it's still centered. And like, I really liked the close ups that were wide angles because mm-hmm. you could see past somebody's face to see what was happening behind them. And I really appreciate that in a movie because it tells me they're not just on a closed set. There's like two actors and a wall and a camera. Like there's always people moving in the background. And part of that was distracting because they dub a lot of the dialogue. Yes. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. That that's I mean, it's kind of fine. Once you realize that's what's going on, it's fine. But that's sort of a byproduct of that style when the set is so busy so much stuff is happening but you only want to hear the main characters and you want to hear them clearly and so i think in a way there are shortcomings with that style and i and i do agree that it impacted my viewing pleasure of the movie a little bit but i was surprised by this movie constantly and i i really did appreciate someone taking a big old swing on something like this yeah yeah definitely dude i, I totally agree with that i mean from the angles but also from the costumes and the overall aesthetic mm-hmm. of the movie uh weird as fuck also tonally strange like the scientists were kind of like these gleeful cartoon characters yeah like, so you know. that i picked up on that right before uh it was revealed what they were doing i was yeah. like this is kind of like uh oh man because what what is that and i was trying to think of like what it reminded me of and i went back to when i had seen uh, a marx brothers play and um, I was like, it reminds me of that zany weirdness to to like that play. And it almost sounds yeah. like they're projecting because it is dubbed. So it does kind of sound right. stilted. Mm-hmm. And then two seconds later on the TV, there's a <laughs> Marx Brothers play. Yeah. Like like a TV show, like on the TV in the background. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I get it. Like that's purposeful. And one of the characters in the scene asylum that lets him out of the gate and says like, oh, I, I go this way or whatever. He has a big old fat mustache. I didn't pick up on that. (laughs) Yeah, I missed that. And so I'm like, okay, now I get it. Now when I see those scientists and they're sitting on one table and the camera's like zooming in really funnily and like they're stilted and they're talking one in a row and you can tell they're not like thinking about what the other characters are saying. They all have Mm -hmm. like set lines. It's very much play style. It's very much theater style. And I can I kind of get what's going on at that point. He's just telling a story. He's not really worried about you thinking Bruce Willis is really <laughs> this character. Right. <laughs> it's Bruce fucking Willis. <laughs> and sometimes it's nice to just to just have somebody be like, yeah, I've been influenced by a lot. I think this stuff is funny. And let's not forget, it's freaking Terry Gilliam, who has made some of the most iconic funny movies ever. And yeah. uh, that's the very much the same Monty Python style as they do like scripted 
sketches. And so I kind of viewed it like that a little bit. That's that's I think why we get the line. I only see dead people. <laughs> After he yeah. kills the guy. <laughs> well, that I think that's a coincidence, Chase, because this movie preceded that. It did. Right. Yeah. Oh wow! I'm an, okay. Oh shit! Wow. I didn't know. <laughs> I thought that was a reference, Jace, and then the whole uh, crawling through the vents was was another die was mm-hmm. a diehard reference. It definitely die. Okay. Yeah, was, okay. I think okay. definitely diehard. Yeah. I was like, God damn, a lot of references in this movie. Um, but no, no, that's I, I agree, Ryan. Like, I like the all the the little like references in this movie, and I think incorporating weird elements like this can also make it seem like a dreamlike weird movie and puts you in that headspace of someone who might be in an asylum maybe you're not mm-hmm. perceiving things correctly and uh, also the weird like accordion music like every 10 minutes where it's like dun, with dun, the 12 dun, dun, dun. monkeys <laughs> i'm just like jesus this is like maddening um, yeah but i think it added it added to it so can i so jace you have seen at least parts of this movie before mm-hmm. yeah how much did you remember uh once it kicked off uh, like a good portion of it i would say okay. like uh i would say like 40 percent. okay because i was totally shocked the whole time i had zero idea what was going to happen and that was a problem for julie who apparently missed something in the beginning and i had to pause the movie because at some point it skipped time and again and she was like okay what is going on <laughs> who is that and Oh, it was when he was describing, like, uh, the difference, like, oh, yeah, this has already happened. She's like, what does it mean? Like, ah! And uh, so I had to, like, literally explain. He's from the future. He mm-hmm. was a prisoner. He was sent back in time, and they missed. They sent him to the wrong year. And so they sucked him back. But then they sent him to the wrong year again. So something's going wrong. But he saw someone else. So they're sending multiple people to go find him. And, like, yeah, that was difficult. And then I thought there was no problem with it. I thought I was I was on the same page, but then I think if you if that's not type your type of movie, I understand that it, someone might not enjoy this movie coming. And this is not a movie where you see it on TV and a half an hour has elapsed and you pop it on. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It also doesn't help that Bruce Willis is super disoriented in the movie and he's talking like yeah. like a crazy person. Where he's like, oh, it's now, but no, then was now, but this is also now. And you're like, what the fuck is it? If, and if you're if you're just coming in, you're like, what is happening? I like that they, from start to finish, I liked how they played that. I think it's like, I think it adds to the comedy of it that this group of scientists that I think don't know what they're talking about, like choose a prisoner that they're like, you're good at remembering stuff. So we're going to send you into the past to try and to try and fix this. But, you know, they cover they're like, you're going to be really disoriented. And it's kind of weird that we're sending kind of our our stupid people who are going to get more scramble brained <laughs> into the past to deal with the problem. But um, as far as like the time travel, I like that it was kind of binned. Like there's a little bit of crossover between the future talking to the past, but it's also really it, it, I guess just that to me it was binned. So it's like very clear when the time travel happens. Mm-hmm. And um, unless you're Julie. <laughs> <laughs> if you miss something she must have right. blinked like, like yeah. right when it happened and yeah and i and i was gonna ask what your thoughts on the how the time travel works because in my view of it it's like the past is the past and time travelers have already been there so they can't alter the future right that's what i thought this movie was acting mm-hmm. on yeah like because that's that's why they probably didn't even bother with the whole we got to prevent the pandemic from happening yeah, um, they, they were just like, let's yeah. just fucking get some. Let's go get the better. cure. Yeah. So yeah, they they're <laughs> if they send Bruce Willis back at point B to back to point A, 
they can only solve the anything that happens point B or later, like point C and et cetera. And I, I think it was just kind of like this recursion loop that's happening where it's like, you will always be going back in time. This will always be happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can, we can talk about <laughs> the closing of the loop at the end um, too. But like, I think this is an interesting uh, usage of time travel too, because they don't really get into the weeds with it. They're just like, this is a function of the story. And we are just going to worry about the characters who are absolutely. In the story. Yeah. And I like that there was no, what if someone else gets a hold of this technology that like, you know, because I like the movie Looper as well. It's one yeah. of my favorite movies. Um, Another Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis goes back in time and meets his former self. <laughs> and uh, But time travel in that is like, oh, the mafia gets a hold of it. Yeah, that rules. Like, <laughs> it's so cool. But yeah. then again, it's like, I don't know. It doesn't really explain the the existence of time travel if like the government didn't have access to this or maybe does. Why wouldn't they fix these problems? But this movie doesn't even mention like doesn't even care about like who has control of time travel and like whether or not other people have access to it because i guess it doesn't matter right because like they can only affect the future and that's i think that creates an airtight thing so you don't get nerds being like well why don't they just present prevent Mm -hmm. like this war or like all this stuff so i like that angle to kind of talk more about i guess bruce willis and like you know i guess the, the general acting of this movie like i thought it was for the most part, pretty well acted. Like, I thought Bruce did a pretty good job in this role of playing yeah. someone who was disoriented and, like, agitated. I'm generally um, not a Bruce Willis fan. Yeah, same. I'm kind of the same <laughs> I'll, way, I'll right? Hand, <laughs> most of the movie, I will. There's a couple lines that I think were stilted when he was supposed to be super disoriented. Mm-hmm. But then again, like, a lot of them were dubbed. He's not a voice actor, so. And then Naked, Brad, drooling, yeah. and disoriented. <laughs> Yeah. This sums up his. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what about the scene where he comes back for the first time, or goes back for the first time, and he's in the, the cell? The, so like cops found him saying, naked, right? and so he's literally covered, like his face is all busted, and he's drooling all over the place, like Jay said. And I like that scene a lot. It was very um, Silence of the Lambs, because it was obvious to me that they were doing like a Clarice, Clarice Starling thing. Like where uh, she's kind of coming in as the psychiatrist. Yeah, and exactly. Like- yeah, I, I thought that was a, it was a good scene. I thought it was a little difficult to buy her role as a psychiatrist. Just it seemed like she was entertaining his delusions to the point where it was like, okay, they're trying to advance the plot here. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like an actual psychiatrist wouldn't engage with delusions like that, where she's like, oh, like, what, what year are you coming from? Who are you trying to find? You know, and I feel like they would be more focused on just being like, calm the fuck down. Like, let's let's talk about this. Like, she went to the Anne know, Hathaway calm down. School of yeah. Psychology. Well, couldn't <laughs> right? that, I mean... Would maybe not interacting with somebody in that situation, couldn't that be used as like a de-escalation technique? Like obviously not, wouldn't want to be feeding into somebody's delusions, but wouldn't it be almost worse to be like, it's not 1996, it's 1990. And they're like, ah, no, it's 1996. (laughs) Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I I can see your point. Like maybe there's a way to navigate. Yeah, but I would definitely not be like, no, you're fucking crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I did like that scene, you know, to Ryan. I thought it was interesting. And, um, you know, just his the the contrast, right? He's like really mentally with it when they before they put him in the time machine. And when he gets out, he is like, what the fuck? It's like he's been born again or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And then same with Brad Pitt. At first, it was off-putting for me because I, I thought it was like almost like mocking of someone who's mentally ill because it was so, it was so like loud. I think it slightly grew on me, but it was I think he did a good job in the role as someone who's perpetually manic and agitated. But it was a little distracting. I think it was a little too wet mm-hmm. for me watching this movie. Got a nom, got an Oscar nom for yeah, it. Yeah, I thought that was surprising. 
same here i was like what what came out that year was it kind of a i loved his uh his hand painted off kilter eyeball contact that made it look like he (laughs) constantly had uh yeah i was uh i was wondering about that i was like is has he always had like this fucking lazy eye was it like a tom cruise situation where he like fixed it early in his career and then we never uh (laughs) Like Tom I, I also thought the costumes deserved their nomination. I saw that they got a costume nomination and Brad Pitt. Oh, nice. Yeah. But then like, again, like the edit, I thought the editing was really nice and snappy. I, there was nothing about the presentation of this movie that I did not like. And that's something I think my my preference for sci-fi has kind of a, been molded a lot by Ridley Scott because I really like his movies. Mm-hmm. And the thing, too, is kind of like a horror sci-fi. And that's, you know, um, John Carpenter stuff. So I think that's like the horror kind of gritty, grotesque elements of sci-fi is what I really track to. I don't mm-hmm. particularly like Star Wars and stuff. It's like everything is nice and shiny and glistening cities and stuff. Um, so this really did, I don't know, ticked it a lot for me. Everything was on Earth, which I also like. Yeah, I don't like, have to like buy into this fantasy world. No, I, I agree. And that's why I think we tend to like... Uh, grounded sci-fi too where um you know there is implied world building but they're more they're just laser focused on this kind of this one aspect which i think is more interesting sometimes you know this one this isn't a world i need to particularly get immersed in (laughs) um and i think it would be worse the closer you look at it dune would have been better if it was three hours of just the space suit that you have to pee into yo i would (laughs) (laughs) want the still suit cut (laughs) yeah i would i would fucking love a six hour i want to live in that world um it looks fucking sick. I don't know. Uh, looks sick, but also horribly, horribly like. Oh, it's oppressive. Violent. It's terrible. It's yeah, <laughs> it's a fucking fascist, feudalist society. Uh, what did you guys read that thing about Brad Pitt? Uh, what Terry Gilliam did to him to like make him act like this? Like he, no. uh, apparently, like he was worried that he Brad Pitt couldn't pull it off because he's like a young actor, and uh, he sent him to a speech coach, but ended up uh, just taking away Brad Pitt's cigarettes. And so he was in nicotine withdrawal the whole time and just like flipping out the whole time. And so he ended up nailing all the scenes in the way he wanted to. He's like, perfect. And then Brad's probably like <laughs> dying in the background, which I thought was pretty funny. The That's interesting because during Monty Python and the Holy Grail, um, uh, Graham Chapman was d- going through alcohol withdrawal. Oh, like super bad to the point where he was like, you know, doing like shaking and stuff and like hmm, really, really that. bad. Yeah I, yeah, yeah, I heard that can be pretty, pretty bad. Oh, it's like, like one of the only withdrawals that can kill you. Yeah, geez. Well, maybe he's taking it. Taking, he's like, oh, he got a great performance from <laughs> being violently ill. <laughs> this poor man. Uh, what one thing I I did appreciate was just like, I mean, again, to kind of get back to Bruce Willis's like the way his his lines are presented because he's so disoriented and he has no way to explain his situation accurately. And then he's he's around this like fucking torturous, like gleeful assholes who are who are operating in this penal system who is, you know, abusive and they're also just not listening to him. It makes you feel really claustrophobic. Like it's you're like, holy fuck, like what if I was in that scenario and I couldn't explain myself and mm. like and I think it, it would provided kind of a, almost like an empathetic hypothetical lens for someone who's in that again, who's in that system. If you if you really had an experience like that, not even saying you're from the future, but you just you just had a mental episode. Like, what kind of environment are you going to be in? Like, and how are you going to be treated? I don't know. I thought that was good. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm glad it didn't turn into an insane asylum movie. Because right, they, they could have yeah. went easily went in the one flew of the cuckoo's nest road and been a fine movie. But like, I'm glad that we got this kind of adventure comedy out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, like, just as far as the pacing of the film, it's like the first section where they 
really give us the base of the world building where he's in the future uh, and he's being selected. And, you know, it's like really thought provoking and really a really good like 15, 20 minutes. And then I thought as much as I enjoyed it in the performance that the insane asylum stuff was kind of a slog. And I understand (laughs) that like it's like a key aspect of the film. I was just like, I, I know what you mean. I had to split the, I had to split up watching between two days, and I watched probably an hour and fifteen minutes today, and enjoyed it a lot more than than the first half, just because it went from like this to me this really thought provoking, oh wow, how would I interact in this world, to like you said, claustrophobic, really manic. It made me feel that way, and I'm like wasn't in the best headspace going into the movie i was like oh it's been a long day holy shit it's kind of like ah ah." dude i i agree and um my first watch through of this was like in 2013 2014 and i actually stopped kind of halfway i just like could not stand brad pitt's like manic rants and i was like this is just too much and the the accordions come in for like the sixth time and he's like it's a mad he's like throwing stuff and i'm like jesus like and i i shut it off and i was like i'll revisit this and uh uh, on on the rewatch, knowing that was coming, I think it was easier for me. Um, but I wasn't like super psyched on those those scenes either. I can see how there would be a hard first watch. Like I totally see that, and I think that's what yeah. Julie's problem was: is that she didn't know what to expect. I thought the insane asylum. I agree, the pacing was a little poor, but I liked the 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 scene. It was hilarious with yeah. the spider. He's just wild, <laughs> wild. <laughs> like, he definitely overacts and like. You know, they're yeah. like, oh, where's the spider going? Oh, for like two minutes, he's like trying to hide the spider in his hands. But then he just puts it in his mouth. It's so funny. And then later, like a, like an hour later in the movie, he's like, I ate a spider. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to get it back. I, I got an insect, but I had to eat it. And they're like, great thinking, man. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Do something like that again, James. <laughs> yeah. To touch on something else in this movie, like we talked about the psychiatrist character, Catherine, in this movie at first i kind of i was interested in like her role in this movie but then it went a direction i was just like please don't go this direction and it fucking did which was just like he kidnaps her and then she like falls in love with him and i'm like god damn it you know and i we touch on this yeah it, it is interesting i know what you mean but like he, he turned out to not be crazy so you right. know like yes he did kidnap her and yes he thought he was an insane person who's like lost his mind but like at some point you know he was just a normal dude who was like and he also was kind of like a captive too so i i i do understand but as soon as she got when that he didn't mean harm to her and he was trying to save the world it wasn't so much like a hey it's cool to go you know kidnap because sometimes they'll fall in love with you yeah like that was the weird vibe i was getting where yeah. it's like he is very clearly like if you look at it from her perspective it's like a very horrifying <laughs> event where he's kidnapping he throws her in the trunk of a car for hours and there's a scene where you straight up think he's gonna like strangle her to death um and, and then like i just feel like some dudes will watch this and be like if i could just entrap somebody and just show them how interesting i really am they'll fall in love with me or just like see who i really am you know and like i feel like there's so much of that in movies before you know our our era <laughs> The um, I guess it's a complete uh change of topic, but the getting locked in the trunk thing. This movie mm. does a misdirection a yeah. lot, but it also I think does it really well. Like putting a radio in a scene, talk, giving delivering news that a body's been found when you yeah. think that he strangled her, and then he pops the trunk, and you're like, that's a terrible situation to be in, especially in the winter. But she's alive. Okay, 
And then the crazy scene with the other bald guy who I think <laughs> is a sex worker who Bruce Willis takes him into the bathroom and like beats the shit out of him. And she's like, no, no, don't kill him. And he comes out like covered in blood with a knife. And she's like, no. And he's like, I pulled my teeth out. <laughs> yeah. With a switchblade? And, and then when the cops come in and the, the, he's in the tub, he's like, no, 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 I didn't do anything. There was a, uh, there was a lady and a crazy dentist. <laughs> like, that's one thing, too, is I think the misdirection shows you that comedy doesn't have to just be in like line delivery and stuff. It can be physical. It can physical gags are awesome visual visual gags are so funny sometimes and like there's some really awesome visual gags in movies that make me laugh out loud but sometimes like plot related gags are funny when i'm invested like five minutes of my life into watching this movie and trying to follow the plot mm-hmm. and real and like okay yeah oh there's a message oh okay so he might have he grabbed her by the neck and then there was a message in the car and saying someone strangled and all this kind of stuff, and he's going crazy, and, and he's coming back to the trunk. Oh, it's where he put a body, and then no, she's alive. Like that sort of thing, I think, is a a little sometimes underappreciated in movies, and especially when you're writing stuff. Like you want to make the audience think, "I have to watch this movie because if I'm not paying attention to at least the majority of the movie, I'm gonna miss stuff." And that's what I liked about it. Is it rewarded me for watching the movie because I learned if I would have left. Or maybe, you know, turned it off halfway through the movie. I might have think, oh, yeah, and then he strangled this woman. Mm-hmm. And I also would have thought, oh, he strangled the woman and he got back to the future. All right. Everything was cool. And so I do like when people talk about twists and turns in movies, it's it's not just you watch the whole movie and at the very end something crazy happens that you were trying to predict and maybe didn't get it right. It's It's not about that. It's about keeping the audience in the same place as the characters. And we talk about this sometimes with the snap thing where I talk about sometimes the audience is ahead of the characters and sometimes the characters is ahead of the audience. And when movies really pop and when they they're, do things best with suspense is when those two levels snap to the same level. And so a character having a realization that the audience already knows can be really, really rewarding for the audience who put it together. On the other hand, when a character is so far ahead of the audience and then the audience suddenly catches up in a snap moment, it can be one of those, oh, moments that we, that's the reason we watch movies. Twists sometimes to get that wrong by taking it out of the character's hands and they leave it up to a deus ex machina. They leave it up to something that the characters had no idea about and the audience didn't see coming at all. But when a movie like this gives you little bits and pieces of information and the snaps happen more often. That's mm-hmm. to me what makes an enthralling movie. Yeah, I, I think they did a, a pretty good job at kind of, I agree, like crafting, uh, crafting that experience, you know, for the audience. And I, I feel like those misdirections did have me scratching my head a little bit. Like, for example, like the one, um, like the like the trunk of the car thing, because mm-hmm. um, they say on the radio, like we found a strangled lady, like in the like who's who's the strangled person if it wasn't the therapist. Like there was still a strangled person somewhere. Murder happens a lot, bro. I, I guess yeah. yeah I right. guess it was just another <laughs> lot of murder in the world. <laughs> and also to show Bruce Willis's character, like he's not, like, he's killing people. Yeah, he Brutally, does, he like, does go out and he yeah. kills people, and he's serving yeah. a prison sentence for twenty five to life. So essentially, saying like he's a violent criminal, and the guards even say that he's a violent criminal. Mm-hmm. But he's not just indiscriminately killing like the Terminator or Predator <laughs> or you know Jason Voorhees. He's not that simple he has motives and ways of connecting to other characters 
And that's why we need to pay attention to him. That's why we need to care about him and learn what he likes and dislikes. Because it's sometimes it might be the difference between living and dying. No, I, I can get that too. But like, I feel like the, the kills in this movie with Bruce Willis especially, I feel like it was that weird kind of 80s, 90s rage bait. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Where it's like the character, the villain is just so bad. Where it's kind of like someone's like PSA video where they're like, oh, come here. Like, oh, like it's it's like this this whole thing. And then he just like goes crazy and executes them and just keeps stomping on their head over and over again. And like when I saw that, it took me out of it. I was just like, yeah, I, I, the, yeah, I would agree that those the two scenes where that occurs are pretty were jarring. Nonetheless, yeah. I think they were on a rewatch in a in a 2020 eye that they're also the most problematic the only black guy in the movie was a rapist who yeah execute like yeah yeah um and i i know that's like you know they're not doing that on purpose but it's a you know it is an indicator of the time you know it's like they'll put shit like in that because they know it's going to get a reaction and it does perpetuate something um and you know i i've we've talked about this with other episodes i don't want to get into it too much but shit like that does like it's just kind of like it pulls me out and i'm like ah you know it hurts my enjoyment so um to kind of i guess get into the solution this movie right like what kind of the end game goal is with with bruce willis he's he's going back in time right to get a pure sample of the virus Mm-hmm. so that they can find a cure um, because for whatever reason the mutated version they can't develop a vaccine or what an antiviral thing what i don't really know i don't think it matters i think the scientists um, are really fucking stupid <laughs> <laughs> yeah like what did you guys kind of think about the i guess the wrap-up and how it all played out i liked it because it showed that bruce willis was like a cog in the plan mm-hmm. he this was we were telling his story because his story was interesting not because it was the only story to be told and I think that's really important when we talk about a world that's believable. There's things in place that Bruce Willis doesn't know about and he doesn't need to know about. And the audience can say, oh, the things I don't understand, why are they doing this? Doesn't make any sense. Well, actually, it probably does. And that's what I that's what I like. And that's what allows me to turn my brain off and just enjoy the movie is sometimes when I see like a movie like Moonfall, I'm like, why did they not just do this thing? Right. And it doesn't make any sense, but I really liked how they took the time travel like mechanic and made it so we are watching somebody who doesn't know what's going on and he's living in the moment. But the other people he's interacting with sometimes when he comes into other time traveling agents, they know more than he does because they know because yeah. they've already been told everything that he knows by him later on. And so like that was really cool. And I like that too. Yeah. I, I liked that at the very end we we learned that it worked. And uh, even though he meant his untimely demise, I really I, I did like this movie a lot for its resolution, not only like the setup. I think the best two parts of the movie were the final scenes and the, the first few scenes. Because we I mean, he really he fails at his mission, right? No, he yeah, he the, sucks. The, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he does. I mean, he, he gets does. shot in the chest while he's chasing the person with the the lady's uh, on the yeah. plane. No, no, no. The, the, the scientist is a time traveler. She no, says, that's I'm her in the past. I thought they yeah. looked similar. I didn't realize. Uh, it was her. The same she, actor. Yeah, she's not, she's not actually an insurance agent. She's insurance on the plan. She's making a double joke. I'm insurance. I'm going to, like, she was told who had the briefcase. And so she sits next to the guy with the briefcase on the plane. They just set that up. They have the advantage of being in the future. 
and being able to set that up in advance. Ah, right, so she would be able to stop him on the plane, right? I she thought just that was a, the, no. She didn't stop him. Here. She just needs a sample. Right. Okay. Because I thought like this was just like a joke that they play. Because I noticed it was the same actor, and I was like, oh, is it her in the past, like thirty years? Like that's no, a little weird. Okay. She I literally that had that same thought. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she has that tone where she's like, she's like, oh, what are you doing? She's like, I'm I thought she was insurance. a snooty rich asshole. Right. <laughs> like no, I think I think class. that's like dropping a punchline oh, kind good. of. Like, Brian, like something so James Bond yeah. would say. I'm Thank so you glad for you explained uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That makes the ending so much better, it dude. Because I was it a lot like, better. I was like, fuck. Like, what was the point of all that? Because like, as dude, soon like, as he makes the phone call, he turns around and he sees Jose. Right. Yeah. And Jose knows everything he said on the phone call. Yeah. Because Jose just heard it in the future and <laughs> was sent back. So like, just like that woman, Jose knows what's going on. Okay. Yeah. And. Uh, to kind of explain for, I guess, the audience, too, like there's been flashbacks throughout the whole movie of Bruce Willis remembering this scene in the airport where someone gets shot in front of him. And uh, it's kind of explained later that the person who gets shot is him. He mm-hmm. saw his own ass get shot in the future trying to stop um, this crazy guy with vials of a virus that he's going to release it and shit. Wasn't like there was that scene where the guy like opens the virus in the airport security line and he has has the guy sniff. I mean, that's that's like. He like spread the virus. Got to be yeah, zero, because so, right? like, he yeah. said they said at one point Philadelphia, New Orleans, yada yada, and they listed all the cities. Right. And so this take, took place in Philadelphia. So uh, that was how it spread. I like how the uh, I mean it wasn't TSA but airport security at the time where they were like it's biological samples and this guy's clearly like a fucking scientist. He's like ah open it and he's like playing with the vacuum sealed tube like yeah, trying to crack dude. it open. <laughs> I was like dude I would not even I know it's 1997 and you know lead poisonings at an all time high. All right like you should not. <laughs> fucking... I like the general disregard for like authority by authority in that scene where the security yeah. person is he's like i've got the papers that let me have this right here and he's like just tossing them like meh, meh, meh. and then he's like i can open that one too the guy's like hey, whatever bored <laughs> it's like why yeah, did you get like, what the fuck huh. really realistic honestly yeah honestly yeah one dude on a power trip one thing I thought was a little weird was Catherine's reaction to realizing the little boy was Bruce Willis because, like, she sees Bruce Willis die and bleed out in front of her. And the airport security guys are also just kind of watching her cry over the body. They're not, like, engaging at all. They're like, oh, fuck, I just shot that guy. And, like, she like, looks over at this little boy who's watching and crying. And she kind of does this weird, like, knowing smile, like, ah, it's him. And I'm like, way to fuck up that kid for life. <laughs> like, no wonder why Bruce Willis grew up to be fucked up. Like... He just saw a dude get murdered, and then she, like, looks at him and just gives a creepy smile, like, it's all gonna be okay, it's him, even though he just died. I, I don't know, I, that was just a weird choice. <laughs> that was some 90s shit, man. I, some kind of weird-ass, deep, tonal shit. Yeah, and then yeah, a week later, not... everybody, five billion people die. Yeah, they all fucking die. Uh, so, and... <laughs> that would have left, I'm, you know, it's obviously not a lot compared to the total population of the world, but 700 million people left, because I looked at the population in 1996. Mm-hmm. I feel like 700 million people still a lot of people. Yeah, sort I of. But when was their last time there was 700,000 people? <laughs> yeah. Go back. Go, go, go back. Like, yeah. <laughs> Let's do human population over time. Yeah, I mean, I think we would definitely experience total collapse mm-hmm. you know, if we if we lost even like a quarter of our population. I mean, you can see what even losing just a couple million did to our system just, you know, in the past few years, you know, not to get too close to the <laughs> reality. Yeah. Um, 
I, I hope that some of those CEOs would have died in the 700 million people, though. So that might have been able to right the ship a little bit. Dude, in AD 2, okay. there were... So so this is AD, the year 2. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. There were 57 million people in China. God damn. They were... <laughs> China so, was kicking ass early in the game. Yeah. Uh, in the 1300s, there were 443 million people in the world. So, like, we, you would be... yeah, We'd be, like, riding horses with mustaches and uh, Sounds discovering, kind of fun. discovering germs and witch magic. <laughs> that's that's interesting, though. Like, I, I never thought about, like, when's the last time we got to that point. You guys hear that fan theory of that, like, the whole movie is, is a delusion of coal and, like, none of this actually happened? No. Like it's actually like well, a yeah, that was theory. literally part of the plot. It's at one point he thought he was just being delusional. Yeah, and he just ends up being a a guy who gets shot at an airport, and none of it actually happened. <laughs> it's I mean disregarding every single thing about the movie. <laughs> so like that's what I don't like about fan theories. Like oh yeah, if ninety nine percent of the movie hadn't happened, I could come up with a different theory about what right. would have happened. Like, what if everyone was dead the whole time and just scoot that into any uh, yeah. any universe? Yeah. <laughs> also, what happened to Brad Pitt's character? Like, he just kind of he, he got out. arrested. He was in the paper. He got arrested. Oh, he he did get arrested, kind of off yeah. camera. All right. Well, well thanks, Ryan. A still camera. Yeah. Oh, I, thanks. <laughs> I I enjoy thinking about that now. What, well, Ryan? After you explain the ending, the yeah. fact that he really just was crazy. He really just was insane. Like. He literally says he's trying to have his dad develop this virus to kill a bunch of people. And then his big plan was just getting animals out of the zoo yeah, and putting his dad in the hilarious. cage. And you're like, <laughs> that, again, misdirection. You're like, oh, my God, he's the yeah. bad guy. He's going to start it all. It's crazy. And then he's like, good prank. Yeah. <laughs> king, of the, king of the pranks. Giraffes yeah. on the freeway. <laughs> Which rules. That made me yeah. like his character more. And oh, it was yeah. The, he was harmless. Yeah. It was actually the crazy assistant scientist who was David Morse. Yeah. What's with David Morse going through airport security? This is the second movie (laughs) (laughs) where that's happened in the last five movies. Because he was the airport representative in Passengers, right? Yeah, it's not that weird, but it's weird that it's happened twice. He looks like just this bureaucrat who wants to just secretly murder everybody. (laughs) Uh, Do you guys hear the thing about the tagline for this movie, which was like, uh, the future, the original tagline was the future is in the hands of a man who has none. And everyone got confused because it made it sound like he has no hands. And like they had to scrap it because all these test audiences were like, why doesn't he have hands? <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> and it's, it's, a, it's a challenging movie too, I think, for 90s audiences. You know, we, we don't have like an established like time travel universe, I think. And not like we have now where we just expect it in movies. Because now you just, it's in Flash, it's in kind of fucking every show. Like, you're like, oh, time travel. Yeah, I know, yeah if I know people who watch Flash can handle it, then pretty yeah. much anybody can handle it nowadays. <laughs> um, do you guys want to get into our, our meters? Are we feeling, are we feeling that, that direction right now? Like, do we want to get into our uh, apocalometers? Apocalometer. How, how many alpacas were in this movie? Not 12. <laughs> probably at least two. Could have been, could have been one or two. Could have been one or it would suck if it just one alpaca. It's kind of weird that we're like not sure if it's zero. (laughs) Most (laughs) movies are like, yeah, I'm pretty sure there was zero alpacas in this movie. It could have been one. I I I was gonna say this earlier, like um, I was gonna do one of those Denali watch alongs for the for the Instagram, 
And I was going on a rant for a while about how this is a movie called 12 Monkeys and there's no monkeys in this movie. And then uh, I quickly had to just stop the video because like monkeys just started appearing all over the place. <laughs> how and many? I, I think it was literally 12. I think there's like a fan following who does like a monkey count. And I think it was 12 <laughs> there in this movie. And I was like, well, shit, there goes my entire bit. They did do a good job at showing monkeys in this film. For editing too, you're like, I don't want to put this scene in here, but I don't have any more monkeys. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm at I was 11. Like... <laughs> or like 13 and you're trying to decide which monkey. I know which monkey to cut. Yeah. That's a monkey every six minutes on average, man. Like, if you want to spread them out. You can't just have 12 monkeys in one scene. It's a nightmare. <laughs> uh, the uh, the Philadelphia Zoo does not have alpacas or llamas. Which Did is they in 1996? What I was hinting. I don't know. Because, you know, <laughs> it's a now website. So <laughs> Go to the Way Back When generator and uh, look at their count. We'd have to time travel to solve this problem. Oh, shit. Yeah. How many monkeys gather information because we can't change anything. Yeah. Um, sorry, before we get into the meters, I just want to play the box office game real quick with you guys about um, this opening weekend. Um, okay. Because this movie uh, opened at number one wow. that okay. that weekend. Okay, it did pretty fucking good. Uh, it was a runaway hit. But number two was a certain sequel that came out. It's a, it's a boomer movie. It's a comedy, a buddy comedy um, that came out. Number two. Rush Hour 2? Um, not Rush Hour 2. Um, I have Lethal Weapon no, 2. Not Lethal Weapon. Oh, think, that's, that's good. Think I'm, a can, lot less can I, muscle. Can I uh, guess? Yes. Um, Beverly Hills Cop 2. That, that's wrong. Even Star, less muscle. Starsky and Hutch. Think older. Think older leads, like way older. And they're they're like they mad. They're like mad old guys. Mad and they're, old guys? And it's they're two? pissed. Grumpy old men. What's the sequel two. to Grumpy Old Men? Grumpier Old Men <laughs> was number two. I don't even know that I've ever heard um, of that movie. It's this dumb movie. Yeah, How did not... that beat this? This thing is like a ma- this thing no, is a oh, massive. It was number class. two. It was number this, two. This movie, uh, this movie beat Grumpier Old Men. Oh, okay. It doubled the budget, but Grumpier Old Men, granted, was on week three, so it had a little bit of a head start. Um, and then uh, in third place, there is another iconic board game adaptation movie, 1996. Clue. Not clue. We're talking iconic. And uh, this was recent. Battleship. Recent, the, if there was a Monopoly movie, <laughs> I think that's um, Wall Street. Checkers. Um, it, it was recently remade with The Rock. Oh, Checkers 2. Checkers mm. 2. It is Checkers 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Jumanji. It's Jumanji, oh, guys. It's fucking Jumanji. All right. <laughs> you guys. Jesus. It's like pulling teeth. Let's do the meters. All right, Ryan. What's the? What do you think yeah, about it? Yeah, so FYI for our audience. Sometimes, some, I know this was a real big hitter, so there may be people who haven't listened to us before. There's a lot of 12 Monkeys fans out there. Oh, um, yeah. We're going to have two meters. First, we rate how much of an end of the world movie was this? How end of the world E was it, if you will? And we're going to have an, al- that's that's our al- alpaca, no, apocalometer. <laughs> no. I thought we were changing it. Uh, no, we're not changing week. it. We're... As of last week. No. What was what were we changing? What was it, it to? last week? It was really was good. It, was well, the Doom me- meter? Well, I obviously I don't what it remember. Was too. So I need to like edit that episode or something. Disastometer. Oh, I think it was. Yeah. Okay. What do you think? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're God. So first we're gonna do that. Okay. How many? What about the monkey meter? And then we're gonna rate it on the movie meter and just rate the movie. Subjective opinions about the movie itself. Mm. And that's where you really learn what our thoughts. So like Moonfall. For example, was very different. The two scales do not get them confused. We are not idiots. So this movie, the Apocalometer, 
I, I don't know where to land on it because, like I've said, I want to reward movies where it happens. And I don't know if the GBGBs could survive this or if we could stop it. I mean, Jace wouldn't survive. He loves partying way too much. Um, <laughs> me, there'd be some brewery that has some late night release and I would go to that and I would die. Denali, good chance. Yeah, you know, I'm bunkering he, up, baby. He, he's he's been pretty good through the pandemic. He does get hit the hardest. I get by hit pretty virus. fucking hard. Yeah, less I likely get to laid survive. the fuck out. <laughs> I got no chin. You know, I got good head movement. But also, if we could, if we were so tasked, like if you, if one of us was sent back in time in place of Bruce Willis, I feel like we'd do pretty good. Oh yeah. yeah Luckily, I don't, I don't I'd think... get to be behind the the table. I'd be like, ah, who are we gonna send back yeah, in time? <laughs> 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 and so uh i don't know i like that part of it i i could see us in that situation and and the movie does happen it gets a point for that five billion people do die like that's serious biz and it's not like moonfall where like oh people almost died but it's not like an apocalypse end of the world situation it's not like the human race will literally cease it does change human history it is it is end of the human world as we know it but it's not like the moon is literally crashing into the surface of the planet the whole thing's gonna turn into a big lava ball like so that would end life as we know it yeah (laughs) that'll do it (laughs) so i'm probably gonna go with a six because it definitely was an end of the world movie and that was a theme throughout the whole thing but then again it's not like uh like jay said like still a lot of people would survive yeah ryan you bring up a good point about this scenario so the other scenarios that we talked about with our uh, big disaster team up fight off they they would all definitely wipe out all of the humans on the earth they would do the job completely right This movie is more of like an end of the world as we know it. Everyone had to move underground and stuff. And like it it sucked. Like most most people died. Right. And it wicked sucks. And there's animals everywhere. Um, Non-human animals. This wicked sucks. Wicked sucks. 99% of people died. Animals that would not be like thriving in that biome together as apex predators. Like a tiger (laughs) on top of a building and a giant ass bear. Only tiger. Like... When you talk about overall KD ratio, though, per disaster, okay, the moonfall, what, probably like a solid million, you know, it was pretty bad. A lot of people fucking died. Okay, probably a couple million people died, all right? Uh, Fifth Element, I think three guys died. And then uh, the core, I think four guys died, but that was the people in the fucking machine. Like, and I don't think anyone died from the bird stuff. That was all just self-inflicted. Um, Dumb birds. <laughs> And then uh, the bird, a lot of birds died, uh, but I'm not going to count that. Didn't so, the bridge um, collapse? Uh, oh, some guy got a sunburn. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so KD ratio in this movie is going to be kind of high because the virus did kill five Billy, mm-hmm. which is way higher than the other uh, the other ones. I'm going to give it some points for that. No San Francisco bridge getting fucked in this movie. Okay, that's going to get a little mark off here. Um, no birds really going crazy there was an owl but i think he was pretty calm in this so i'm not going to give it for that one either um u.s did cause this disaster so i'm going to give it a point for that u.s i think is implied that it would find the solution so it's going to get another disasterometer point there um very u.s centric there was no like people from other countries collabing on this thing we just we got it guys um i think i'm going to nail it at six i think that's a fair number ryan 
Um, I like it there. I don't think this was like a true like fucking destroy everything meteor going through the earth. Um, but it got part, part of the way there. Hmm. I'm so undecided today. Really, really undecided today. If I go down the list, apocalypse, major topic of the movie, mm-hmm. the entire thing. Um, pretty cool scenario. It's our first virus. First virus. First virus. Virus plus time travel. Don't get you a know, lot of those. The the apocalypse itself, like you said, I, I'm going to give it a point for completely and drastically altering human society as we know it. Like, um, especially because in the movie, it's like kind of visceral in the scenes and the setting where they're underground. Everything's dripping, rusty, wet. It's like, wow, if that happened, just let the virus take me out. <laughs> like, <laughs> that sucks. I don't... <laughs> No fucking TikTok? Yeah. No Wi-Fi? <laughs> I don't want to be living underground and getting my booty scrubbed by two dudes with brushes, big brooms. <laughs> you know, so that's a point. Um, and I thought that, uh, you know, it was it was creative that they didn't just go back in time and start blasting. They're like, we can't change it. We can try and make our future better by going back and gathering some information, but um, the things that have occurred in the past have already occurred, so... Um, yeah, they didn't I nuke think, it. I think this is a bit better... This this is uh, probably more end of the world than than the fifth element, uh, but I'm gonna put it the I'm gonna give it a seven. Yeah, fair enough. It's a tough one to rate. There's a lot going on too in this movie, and now of course, as Ryan said, this is where we will do our movie meters. What do we think actually about this movie? Yeah, I think my problem is going to be separating the subjective from the objective. I, I do think parts of this movie were lackluster. And it was so stylistic. I don't think that the director or the producers or people who wrote this movie think anything is wrong with it. And that's something I, I, I do kind of appreciate. They went all in on this style. I, I don't know what to think about. I watched it yesterday. I, I'm hovering around the seven or the eight because I personally really liked it. And I just I don't know that those those things that were wrong with it really impacted my viewing experience. And I don't think that maybe this movie needs to be docked for those things, like the dubbing that was kind of distracting at times, or maybe Bruce Willis's like wooden delivery on a couple of stuff, which is fine. I don't it's Bruce Willis, you get what you get. And then I think what you said, the the definitely the stuff that didn't age well. It it would be a much different movie if made today, but then again, they would be cutting a lot of corners using a lot more CGI, and I think that would be making a worse movie. I, I did love how gritty in the 90s this movie was, and uh, I mean, if you made me guess if I wasn't able to accurately guess the age of Brad Pitt and Bruce Willis, I would probably say this movie was made in the 80s, but like, I, I really did appreciate how practical they wanted to do stuff. I think I'm going to give this movie an 8. I, I, I liked everything about it, I think. It's just... It wasn't a perfect movie, no, but I would watch it again, definitely. And I think I'd probably gain a lot on the second viewing. That's something that I value a lot, too, because movies to me aren't just like a one-time experience thing. They're, they do exist. That's the whole point is you can watch them multiple times. It's kind of like the point. And I think before you guys have said you don't like watching movies more than once sometimes, uh, at least before this podcast. And so I, I was that was on my mind. So I, well, number one, I'm never going to be able to get Julie to watch this again. And number two, uh, I want to watch it again. So it definitely made me curious. That's one of the most important things that a movie can do. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, Ryan, especially what you said about the stylistic choices in this movie. 
there are so many weird things in this movie and i think that's to its benefit both tonally but also in the writing i think it's conceptually interesting too i think they took a lot of risks so i got to give it some artistic credit this was not a paint by numbers just Mm -hmm. action movie here um i think they really tried to make something unique and i think this movie was pretty influential um, when it came out but that said like you said it's not perfect i think it has some pacing issues um i talked about things that kind of bothered me in the movie i also think the character of Catherine, aside from like the relationship aspects i didn't like i do think she made some choices towards the end that i didn't think made a whole lot of sense for her character i think there was some writing issues there with with some other characters too um but uh, overall, I do think it's a it's a it's a worthwhile movie to watch. Um, there's a reason why they made like a spinoff of it. There's a reason why it's like a cult film because there, I think there is something here that you can you can get a lot from. With that said, I think there were there were things that that kind of hurt my enjoyment. Like I said, there were parts where I was kind of checking the time a little bit. I think the two hour fifteen minute runtime was a little long in the tooth. Uh, so, yeah, and uh, I think that's a trend for this season. Uh, but yeah, like I think I'm going to put it at a six. I think for me, it's above average. I think someone else might have a different impression of this movie. Um, and I think that's that could be a good thing when you take a lot of risks like this. I think uh, once again, or I, I, I'm going to split the difference. I'm going to go with a seven. And uh, I think a lot has been said. Uh, you know, we actually pretty much just spent the whole podcast talking about the movie <laughs> instead of two. <laughs> besides that, you know, improv at the beginning. Um, I, two, two notes, uh, I've seen where people take the primary color of each scene in a movie and like make Mm -hmm. like a a pictograph of it. And we've talked tonally, this movie's just very, very gray and it's, you know, kind of, um, a mirror into each one of the actors or the characters kind of mind and their, their personal being at the time. Uh, you know, especially when we deal with these characters that are kind of perceived as crazy, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and being off base maybe. And to that regard, like when um, when we talk about the character whose name I already forgot, the doctor, Doctor Peters, Ry- Riley, Riley, Doctor Doctor Riley, the Doctor um, Riley, yeah, Catherine um, Riley. So uh, when we it kind of this has been kicked off during this podcast because I don't really ha- haven't had much time to di- to to digest this movie. Um, <laughs> Is that uh, if you look at like a sanity versus time, I think you get to about three quarters of the way through the movie where Bruce Willis and uh, Dr. Raleigh kind of they cross paths because she's at the very in the beginning. She's like the steady state where she has this research into the Cassandra complex and is like obviously interested in how people Mm -hmm. are like stating the same time for the end of the world. But, um, you know, as she's kind of interacting with Bruce Willis' character, she's kind of becoming unhinged. She's finding out, like, oh, my God, this is actually real. And then yeah. she's kind of like, they're they're kind of like, oh, let's go to Florida before the end of the world. You know, but she, her, her sanity starts to kind of, like, to drop. It's, like, steady. And then it's like, Woo! whereas Bruce Willis, we see, is, like, coming out of time travel, freaking crazy drugged up in the asylum and he's just like super down low before traveling back into the future and then being like good job you got a full pardon and he kind of has this like lucid moment mm-hmm. but it's not really lucid because he's like you're right i i was crazy i am crazy right. she's like shut up i need you right now you weren't crazy this is actually happening <laughs> come back come back when did you? and they like cross yeah. pa- they, they kind of cross paths in this craziness um at that point in the movie so those were like, I didn't enjoy the gray, 
but I, I liked the characters kind of evolving and devolving. And um, other than that, yeah, seven. Yeah. So not a bad score for this movie, honestly. Probably the higher ones for this season for all three of us. Yeah. Um, and I also want to pose a question that I've asked every episode this season. Uh, Dadcore? I mean, it's got Bruce Willis. It's yeah. that's a that's a point on the meter. So I don't obviously know. going for the dadcore audience. I just don't know if they yeah. did that well because I don't I don't hear this movie come out when people are talking about. Oh, I watched this movie. I can just totally turn my brain off and watch some people kill some people. <laughs> Too complex. Yeah. Not enough yeah. cleavage. And they didn't think- have like a liberal <laughs> villain that they could really go after. I mean, it's they obvious say- the liberals were the villains. Yeah, but they it said wasn't... ineffectual liberal jerk-offs in this movie. Yeah, but it wasn't like uh, some guy who they could be, like, they could emasculate. Yeah, I mean, I did think the the depiction of, of protesters were a little bit like, hey, man, like, we got to save the animals, man. Like, they were kind of supposed to be dumb, I think. But that's what um, they ended up being, too. Like They were dumb Yeah. Um, in the movie. You and know? that was the whole joke, is that, like, everybody thought these were the masterminds. But mm-hmm. it wasn't, it was the scientists. Uh, I don't know if it's dadcore. I'll just say that. I don't think it is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if like a lot of dads are like, yo, I just watched 12 Monkeys. You guys got to see this shit. I thought it was a good movie. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, dads might like this, but it's not dadcore. All right. That's, there we have that's it. Where I, that's where I think about 13 lives, dude. I think that's dadcore. That is, that is a, it's a technical movie that's, it's a, based on a true story. I feel like, I feel like that's a dad movie. It's a great movie though. We could have a season uh, where we just lives. watch movies that are numbered in the exact order, like the <laughs> one, two, Didn't three, four. This once for like <laughs> I don't know. Did we? What's what's uh? We can watch the one first with uh with Jet Li. Um, is there a two movie? I I think there's leeway. So if if a sequel has two in the title, it might be allowable. And we can work our way up to hundred Dalmatians. The um, it reminds me of uh, you guys remind because I was thinking about Slaughterhouse Five. It, it reminds me the we didn't talk about the war scenes very much. If this movie had more war scenes, it would be mm. a dad core. Oh know? yeah, there like, was a World War One. If, if I he went back that. to 1990 and then went back to 1915 or whatever, yeah, it would be it definitely would be a, more of a dad core. But those were very brief. I know it wasn't enough, and it wasn't enough for the History Channel watchers. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I, those scenes though. I like that because it's specifically for world building to give. Mm-hmm. the doctor's character like a know, picture I, yeah. it was cool yeah i do like, i like that scene. i, yeah, I that really cool. that was how she had picked she didn't know she had picked up on it but she was proving that time travel was real mm-hmm. while she was trying to prove that these people were just crazy and time travel wasn't real that was really interesting that was cool dude do you guys remember um like during the 2016 election some guy like went up to all the candidates and would like ask them if they would kill baby hitler in the crib and like most of them like rebuffed him and like Jeb Bush was like, hell yeah, I would. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like thinking about that question. <laughs> like, and it's like, there's an intelligent answer to that question, which is like, I wouldn't fuck with time travel. <laughs> like, I mean. Well, also, people don't understand that like time travel may already be real and the world we live in may be the consolation world. I feel like that was a bit <laughs> something or like, uh, like how everyone in the audience is all time travelers of like, of all stopping each other from like, it's like that Rick and Morty episode where like they had the snake Hitler <laughs> mm-hmm. and like a time traveler comes back, but another time traveler stops him. And they, it's like just a millions of people show up to shooting each other. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like this whole thing. <laughs> What'd you guys do with a time machine? If you guys got a time machine, what would you guys do? Uh, one time in yeah. fifth or sixth grade. Mm-hmm. 
there was this uh, movie playing at the. There's this movie playing at the one screen moving picture moving picture showhouse. Yeah, in Buck, middle of nowhere, California, mm-hmm. and of course, as a strapping young lad, I went to the moving picture showhouse. God, I can't fucking talk. <laughs> Obviously, as a strapping you got young to drive you lad, home, buddy. <laughs> I went to the moving picture show house mm-hmm. to put my moves on with, uh, you know, to like cement my place in the social status of that world. Because okay. that's what you did. If you were if you wanted to be cool, you would go to the movies, except the kids who were cool didn't go to the movies. And there would be girls there. And you would pick like which row you sat in. Like you could sit with the boys or if you had talked to a girl that week and been like, hey, are you going to the movies on Friday? There might be a seat next to her. Well, Is one like day. A, <laughs> the 1950s. Jesus <story>. Christ. <laughs> that place I was is. At the ice you guys cream have both parlor. been there. You guys have both, both <laughs> been there. You know that's locked in the 1950s. One, one time, there was a situation where the boys were in the third row and the girls were in the first row. Uh-oh. And. I had talked to a girl and been like, yeah, let's go. I'm going to go to the movies. You should go. And she was there. And I was walking in the aisle. And she turned and looked at me and was like, smiling. Like, hey. And I chickened out. And I sat with the boys. Oh. And from then on, I had like zero (sighs) luck with girls until... You know. So Ryan gets a time machine and he's like, fuck my marriage. I need to come <laughs> back in the sixth grade. Sit next no, to her. It's not, <laughs> it's not that. It's that, like when I was a kid, that's when every time I watched a time travel movie, mm-hmm, I was like, yeah. I'm going to go back and I'm going to sit next to that girl. <laughs> I'm not joking. As that's, a 30 year old. <laughs> as a kid, that's what I would think about with the time. I wasn't even, I didn't care about like, you know, the crusades. <laughs> <laughs> Jace, what would you do? What would you um, do? Do you have a thing in your past? Probably. Oh, I was going to say probably murder that first sentient ape so we don't get stuck in this <laughs> capitalistic hellscape we call life. <laughs> the first ape who trades rock for banana. <laughs> Shove down. No, that's currency. <laughs> and then we dissolve. I, I stab the ape or and like, I dissolve. Or like uh, you try to do that, and but he's a 800-pound ape, and he rips your limbs <laughs> off and beats you to death. Oh, I didn't think about this. Or a cyber ape tr- time travels at the exact same moment, then punches you in the face. Oh, and, and then God. a million other cyborg <laughs> humans and apes keep time traveling back to that moment. Um, I would undo uh, when I was in ninth grade. I was in uh, I was in Alaska at a ski chalet. Oh, I got I made fun the... of for going back to the sixth grade, but this guy goes to the ninth grade. <laughs> Listen, this is more recent. All right, less less uh, butterfly effect. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, there was this kid, I was like leaning over, tying my boots, and this kid was playing with a ketchup packet in his hands, and then it exploded straight into my eye. Now, I didn't know it was a ketchup packet, I didn't know what happened, but all I knew was my vision suddenly turned red than black, and I thought I lost my eye. Like, I thought someone fucking shot me in the head or something, because it exploded with a lot of force. So my reaction was a little bit of an overreaction, so I screamed when this happened. It was painful, it was pretty, like, stingy in the eye, so I was like, ah! Like, I screamed so loud. Um, I didn't know how loud I screamed until like moments later when I realized the chalet was dead silent. This was there was like 300 people in there. Um, everyone turned. The EMTs actually came in, and I was leaning on them and walked to the med tent like I was fucking dying. 
and uh, they went into the tent and they wiped the ketchup out of my eyes and they're like some idiot sprayed ketchup <laughs> in my eyes um and i i was like oh i see and they kind of washed it with a water bottle this poor 17 year old emt um, and i walk back in and everyone is still silent looking at me and i have ketchup down my shirt and the kid who sprayed ketchup, all he saw was me scream <laughs> when the ketchup exploded out of his hands. And he's just holding a paper towel that he got from the bathroom because he ran away when I screamed. Um, and then uh, everyone kept talking about that the whole snowboarding season. Um, and I think I would undo that one. I think that one, uh, I lost a lot of social currency in high school really early on because of that. And it was hard to just work my way out of that pit. Um so probably that one, I think. That explains so much. And I think I've heard that story before. Um, Almost certainly. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, Denali, remember that time? <laughs> You've, you lost your mind. When, I remember when at that chalet uh, in yeah. the lodge. We're saying chalet like the fancy. It's, it's a freaking food court. <laughs> yeah, with the really shitty food. <laughs> the uh, You would never, if you left the table and you had a drink mm-hmm. or food there, you, that food was dead to you. Yeah, it was un, un, inedible. Like, they would put that fry between their butt cheeks, they would piss in your drink, they would do something to it, and you would, you would never that eat it. That only happened, like, once. Yeah. The <laughs> Chalets intimidate me. Yeah, it's. Uh, it seems like someone's gonna challenge me to like a ski race. So, yeah, to, like save the save, the, save town. The, the town. And it's a yeah, lot of fucking the... people, like all fighting yeah. and elbowing for space too. I hate that. Yeah, and I'm mm. not a shredder. You know, I can't beat the guys. So, anyways, so if you were guys, in Johnny Tsunami's shoes, yeah, that would be yeah. a giant ski only resort by now. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah. <laughs> what would you guys? I mean, t- uh, message us, DM us. What would you guys do with the time machine? And uh, thanks for listening. What do you guys think about 12 Monkeys? Let us know. This is another cult movie that we reviewed. Got a lot of good ones this week. Uh, but with that, Jace, what do you got for us for next week? It's your Wheel it's your of Chaos! Oh, no. Oh, God. I also thought oh, you were going to say Wheel of Time. And I was like, oh, wow, that makes sense. Time travel in movies. But that's not really a time travel series. The but series. that's not the series. Okay. Jace is... Pulling okay. up the randomizer so wheel. Oh I, my God. I couldn't pick. Okay. And okay, I couldn't pick. Oh, I love all these. I love all of these. Yeah, uh, I got, I've got. I, I, apparently, uh, my computer does not like when I have uh, a screen open and uh, try to work. You can which mute it. Might you be can just fucking with my audacity. Do it off camera. You can yeah. just tell us what it does. Okay, so um, so for the listeners at home, again, uh, didn't really have much time to think. There are a lot of movies. Um, Kind of embarrassed about the Fifth Element pitch last time, so <laughs> kind of wanted it to... counted, Jace. What? It no, counted. that was no, that was great. Kind of. Kind of so anyway, um, <laughs> I thought of five movies, each completely, I think, different, all into the world, um, and uh, in no particular order. Uh, the 2018 movie Annihilation, I think we something we've all seen, which is really just a fantastic movie. Um, one of my favorites next. Pandorum, yes, a, yeah, a horror rules. sci-fi kind of uh, yes. conta- contained end of humanity movie, um, and then uh, next two zombie movies. One I think would be our first foreign flick, Train to Busan. Yeah, boy. Which I think again is one of these self-contained. So it's like you know, uh, end of the world, maybe imminent, but you know, uh, a little bit more self-contained. 
uh, off rail comedy, Shaun of the Dead. Nice. Hilarious. And then. Just love that movie. Yeah. New <laughs> 2022, super hot. I think a bunch of awards, everything, everywhere, all at once. Is that an end of the world movie? I'm. Um, it's kind of. I have it's kind of I, the major theme is that the main character needs to solve a problem or end of end of humanity. Okay. Okay. In a way, I'm rooting for that one because um, I have a Showtime subscription that uh, is expires in January, and that's on Showtime, so I can see it for free, and hmm. I can see uh, Michelle Yeoh, who's my hero. So, have you watched it before? Um, no, I haven't. I haven't seen it. I'm excited to see it. But I could any of these picks. I'm hype. Okay. Unless you want to fix the game off camera, and I would never know. <laughs> no, I no, don't please, because a lot of those are great. Yeah, mm-hmm. great. I, I really like the first two, Annihilation and Pandorum. Pandorum is a nice selection because a lot of people do not appreciate that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you I know we used to watch that me, like, every weekend. We watched it so many times. I spoiled okay. it for you. Is that what you said? You spoiled Pandorum for me, and that's why we spoiled Shutter Island for you. Oh, that's where that is from? <laughs> the Great Spoiler Wars, yeah. Where we w- it would be an arms race of who could watch the movie first to spoil it. <laughs> that was, that yeah, that was mutually assured destruction in high school. It was, Just I remember a lot of Brittany going insane because Shutter Island cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, spin it, Jace. Uh, if it lands on everything, I, I would think you, you, you uh, fixed it for me. So just know that. He's sharing the screen. Oh my wow, goodness! Okay. It is didn't change everything. Anyway. You did, J- Jace. Uh, thank you for fixing it for me, man. I really just that subscription is is gonna go out huh. soon. So um, I appreciate you uh, help me out there. It's a hot movie. Sweet. I think it it's could, a hot movie. Could, I think it'll be one interesting to watch. The conversations about it is gonna be hilarious. I have no idea what it's about. I just know the multiverse. I'm- it's great. I'm fucking hype, dude. I'm hype. I I want to see this movie. I've I've heard it be called the best of the year. Uh, I'm surprised it took that title for Moonfall, but um, <laughs> I think this will be I think this will be fun. Uh, so we're gonna be off, I guess. Well, maybe not for when this comes out, but <laughs> we're we're us three are gonna be off for the next two weeks for the holidays. So there may be a temporal delay. We're recording this in like mid December. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe it won't matter to you. So, but next time we're going to be watching this movie and we hope you guys will tune in. Thanks for listening. Please continue to follow us and engage with us and poke us on all the medias. You know, uh, Jace discovered you can rate us on Spotify. So maybe just, uh, got to listen for 30 seconds, but if you are on Spotify, our new theme song is good. So just listen to that. Yeah. Listen, listen to my sick new, uh, guitar riffs that I do on our new theme song. Stream it, baby. I need, I got rent to pay. So, uh, yeah. Thank you guys thus far. Anything you guys want to say to the audience before we head out for the holidays into the new year? Um, maybe the human race does deserve to be wiped out. No, right. You can't just end the year on that. You can't just fucking. (laughs) That was a line in the movie.